You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. College football season right around the corner, and the Locked On Network has you covered. There is no better place to get all of your conference news than following our Locked On Conference podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Today is Thursday, August 19th. We are now 82 days away from the start of college basketball season. The number 82 is significant for the 2016 season because it's the number of points Gonzaga scored in their second round NCAA tournament win over Utah. This was one of the more dominant NCAA tournament games in Gonzaga history, especially considering they were the 11 seed and Utah was the three seed. It didn't matter whatsoever. Gonzaga smacked Utah 82 to 59. This game at the time was billed as DeMontis Sabonis going against Jakob Ertl of uh, Utah. And DeMontis Sabonis absolutely ate his lunch the entire day. Finished with 19 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block. Jakob Ertl scored 5 points. And for some reason, unknown to me still to this day, uh, Jakob Ertl went ahead of DeMontis Sabonis in the NBA draft a couple months later when the Toronto Raptors took him. So in the span of six, uh, was it 6 years, yeah, the Toronto Raptors passed on DeMontis Sabonis for Jakob Ertl, and they also passed on Jalen Suggs for Scotty Barnes. So I don't know what the Toronto Raptors have against Gonzaga players, but one of those decisions turned out to be awful, and we'll find out in a few years how this Jalen Suggs decision looks. But anyway, that's the number for today, 82, the number of points Gonzaga scored in their 82-59 to win over Utah in the 2016 NCAA tournament. We go way back in the time machine tomorrow to see what the number 81 has in store. Okay, today on the show, we are looking back on the 2012 Gonzaga Bulldogs and the freshman class that helped elevate Gonzaga to an elite level. We'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Martinez Arlauskas, who did not transfer like many thought he might, and now he enters his third season in Spokane. How can he sneak into the rotation ahead of all of these new pieces? Before we get to all of that, I want to preview a couple fall sports at Gonzaga because soccer and volleyball seasons are right around the corner. And I want to start with women's soccer because they're coming off a historic season. They finished 7-3-1 overall and 5-2-1 in conference play, and they finished in third place for the first time since the league expanded to 10 teams. And they are picked fourth overall in the 2021 women's preseason poll. That matches the best ranking for GU in the WCC preseason poll since 2006. Back in 2006, uh, the Bulldogs were placed third in that preseason poll, which is the highest position in school history. So this year, picked to finish fourth in the WCC after coming off a third place finish last year. Head coach Chris Watkins, assistant coaches Lexi Brown, Katie Benz, and Tyler Brown were all named 
to the staff of the year in the West region last year. Chris Watkins was named as a co-coach of the year in the WCC, becoming only the second GU head coach to earn WCC Coach of the Year awards and the first one all the way back since 2003. They also ended last season receiving a vote in the national rankings. So the Gonzaga women's soccer team has been making waves over the last couple of seasons, and they look to continue uh, that momentum going into this year. And they start their season tonight, 7 p.m. against Eastern Washington on Luger Field in Spokane. You can watch all of these home games live on the WCC Network. But they start their season tonight at home at 7 p.m. Before they hit the road next week, they'll play at Georgia, at Purdue, and at Portland State before coming home to face Hawaii and Montana. They'll also have games at Arizona, at New Mexico State, and at Cal State Bakersfield. So a decent non-conference schedule with a couple big schools before they start WCC play in October. On the men's side, the men's soccer team picked to finish last in the WCC. Uh, They were picked unanimously to finish last. All coaches picked Gonzaga to finish last. Last season, they finished 0-6 in conference play, 2-9 overall with their only two wins coming against Carroll College and Northwest Nazarene. But their losses in WCC play, like I said, they went 0-6. They never gave up more than two goals in any of those WCC games. They just couldn't score. So they're looking to get uh, back on the track this year with a little bit more offense. They were supposed to play their first exhibition game on Tuesday, but that game got canceled due to COVID protocols. So their first exhibition game is actually coming up Friday night. They'll also play at home again on Sunday in an exhibition game. And then their first actual regular season game comes up next Thursday, August 26th at 7 p.m. They are hosting UNLV at home. Uh, Again, you can watch that game on the WCC Network. And then they'll play again at home uh, Sunday the 29th against Bowling Green. So two home games to start the season for the Gonzaga men's soccer team. On the volleyball front, they start their season one week from Friday. There has not been a WCC preseason poll yet. I imagine it's going to come out early next week. Uh, But they start their season in Starkville, Mississippi with a uh, tournament at Mississippi State. In their spring season this past spring, they went 7-11 and overall, but they've got two first-team performers coming back uh, for this volleyball team, and that's Alyssa Hughes, who's a middle blocker, and an outside hitter in Kennedy Croft, two really, really good players. And then they added two nice transfers, one uh, named McKenna Marshall, who is a outside hitter who's transferring in from San Francisco, and she was actually an all-WCC performer while she was at San Francisco. So really, they've got three first-team all-WCC players coming back on their roster this year, and then they add a graduate transfer from the University of Georgia, who's a 5'11 setter named Bryn Chandler, who started and played a ton of games uh, at Georgia. So they've got a lot of talent on this team, and I would not be surprised if they made a little bit of a jump in the WCC standings this year and uh, finished in the probably top half as opposed to finishing more middle of the pack slash bottom of the pack, which is where they've been uh, each of the last couple of seasons. Like I said, they start their season with a tournament in Mississippi, but then they come back home and they've got the Gonzaga Invitational, which is what they've been doing uh, the last couple of years, the first weekend of September over uh, Labor Day weekend. And uh, this tournament this year is going to have Seattle, Oklahoma, Air Force, and Gonzaga. So Gonzaga is going to face Seattle, Air Force, and Oklahoma on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, September 3rd, 4th, and 5th if you want to come watch the Gonzaga women's volleyball team. All right, there's a preview for you. Gonzaga soccer, Gonzaga volleyball getting started here this weekend and next weekend. 
One other thing I wanted to touch on back on the basketball front is Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy has signed uh, with 7-1 Sports and Entertainment Group to be a client for name, image, and likeness. 7-1 Sports and Entertainment Group is an agency uh, founded by Jermaine O'Neal and Tracy McGrady, and it looks like Drew Timmy is their first client. So shout out to Drew Timmy. We'll see what kind of uh, NIL deals he can get. But he's now officially teaming up with the 7-1 Sports and Entertainment Group, which is kind of cool. Okay, that's it for the news and notes. Coming up, we reminisce on the 2012 Gonzaga Bulldogs and the arrival of Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell Jr. It's also the start of a little bit of a new brand of basketball. We'll talk about all of that here in just a minute. Before we do, today's episode is being sponsored by Bet Online. It is that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start their seasons. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half million dollar NFL mega contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, both open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you will receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's right, 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, which is make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opening game between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager is refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, from football to basketball to boxing, right down to horse racing. Do not wait and take advantage of all of the great offers available for the 2021 season. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's get to it. The 2011-2012 Gonzaga Bulldogs. It is the arrival of me, Stephen Carr. He comes to campus, but that is completely irrelevant. It's also the arrival of Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell. Uh, Coming into this season, really what they had returning was Elias Harris as a junior, Robert Sacre as a senior, and Sam Dower as a sophomore. So they had their bigs established, which was great. But their only real returning guards were Marquise Carter, who was pretty much up and down all season. Of course, he had the fantastic postseason. Um, But then they also had David Stockton, who was essentially still a walk-on at the time, and he was still young. So two not really scoring guards, um, more so better suited as, um, you know, sixth men or complementary pieces. So they were looking for anybody to step up at the guard spot. And of course, they got Kevin Pangos and they got Gary Bell. So let's talk about how the season started, because... People may not remember, Kevin Pangos did not start the first game of the season. Marquise Carter and David Stockton both started those games. And I remember um, going to Craziness in the Kennel my freshman year, which was this 2011-12 season. My dad visited because it's always Craziness in the Kennel is always fall family weekend. And so he got to see uh, Gonzaga play. And uh, at the time, it was apparent that uh, David Stockton was going to be in the starting lineup. And Kevin Pangos was absolutely fantastic at that craziness in the kennel. And my dad and I looked at each other and we said, this dude is absolutely going to be starting uh, by the middle of the season. Turned out it wasn't the middle of the season. It was the second game of the season. Game one, David Stockton started. He scored no points. Kevin Pangos scored 11 points off the bench, had four rebounds, only turned the ball over one time. And that was enough to earn him a starting spot the second game of the year. And we all know how that went. 
He tied a school record hitting nine threes. He scored 33 points to beat Washington State 89-81. to Elias Harris, Rob Sacre both had double-doubles in that game. Gary Bell had 14 points off the bench. Gary Bell also did not start to start this season. It was uh, Marquise Carter who stayed in the starting lineup for a little bit because he actually played fairly well, especially the first game of the year. He's, he kind of picked up where he left off in the postseason. Marquise Carter scored 17 points in game one of the season against Eastern Washington. This was one of the, the, the most lopsided free throw and foul discrepancies of any Gonzaga game I've ever seen. Gonzaga shot 51 free throws to Eastern Washington's 11, and Eastern Washington committed 33 fouls to Gonzaga's 11. 33 to 11 in fouls and 51 to 11 in free throw attempts, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, Gary Bell Jr., back to the point. He did not start until the seventh game of the season, and that seventh game of the season was the home game against Michigan State, the Draymond Green game. He comes in and absolutely torches Gonzaga, 11 for 13 from the field, 8 for 9 from the free throw line. He was 4 or 5 from deep. Draymond Green used to be able to shoot the basketball. He scored 34 points, absolutely torched Gonzaga all night long. Michigan State comes into the kennel, beats Gonzaga 74 to 67. David Stockton was actually really, really good in that game. He was Gonzaga's best player, scored 19 points off the bench. Gonzaga turns the ball over 19 times in the loss. So Gonzaga is now 5-2. They also lost uh, the, the prior game to Illinois. But then they play battle in Seattle, and they beat Arizona. It was not a great Arizona team, but it was still a nice win for them. And then they rattle off eight straight wins, including a uh, New Year's Eve win at Xavier. That Xavier team early on in the year was ranked in the top 10. Um, they didn't finish the season as well as they started it, but they were still a tournament team, still a true road win for Gonzaga uh, as part of their eight-game winning streak. And then came WCC play. They lose their second WCC game of the year at St. Mary's. Uh, they go on to lose again at BYU later on, but then they bounce back and they beat both St. Mary's and BYU at home. In between all of that, of course, a third straight loss to San Francisco on the road at War Memorial. I believe those those three losses from 2010 to 2012, I've, I want to say the first two were in overtime, and the third one in 2012 was by a point. They were just three excruciating losses, uh, and still to this day, it feels like Gonzaga is going to lose every time they go into that gym, even though they've won like seven or eight years in a row there. Anyway, they get to the WCC tournament, and of course, after splitting with BYU and St. Mary's in the regular season, those happen to be their two opponents in the WCC tournament. Gonzaga had done enough at this point um, to get a at-large bid no matter what. They were 24-5. and They had some really nice wins in the non-conference. Like I said, they'd beaten Xavier. They beat Arizona. They beat Butler at home. Um, they beat Notre Dame. They beat Washington State. Like That's a solid resume to get a single-digit seed. It's just a matter of how they would fare in the WCC tournament. And the WCC championship game against St. Mary's was an absolute classic. If you remember, Elias Harris hit a three at the buzzer to send the game to overtime. It looked like Gonzaga was going to have enough in overtime, uh, have enough momentum to uh, pull off that victory. Of course, that did not happen. Matthew Della Vadova, Brad Waldo, Rob Jones... Those are three names for you. Uh, St. Mary's holds off Gonzaga in overtime to win the WCC championship. They steal the, the regular season and WCC tournament crowns. For the first time in the Mark Few era, Gonzaga does not win either a WCC tournament 
or WCC regular season championship, St. Mary's sweeps both. Gonzaga and St. Mary's both get number seven seeds in the NCAA tournament. St. Mary's would lose by three points to Purdue, 72-69. to Of course, Gonzaga would go on to absolutely smack West Virginia, 77-54. to And again, it continues, Mark Few's complete ownage of Bob Huggins throughout his career. So then they move on and they face a number two-seeded Ohio State team who was really, really good. And Gonzaga competed the whole way. And to be honest, they had a really good shot of winning this game. Kevin Pangos had a three in the corner with about two and a half minutes left. It was a one-possession game. The three would have either tied the game or given Gonzaga a one-point lead. I don't remember. Um, But if that thing goes down, that outcome could be completely different. Instead, it goes three-quarters of the way in, pops out, and then Jared Sollinger Hits a couple big shots late uh, for Ohio State. Uh, he was two for two from the three-point line. One of those came uh, as just a complete backbreaker back late in the second half. Ohio State ends Gonzaga's season 73-66. to So Gonzaga finishes the year 26-7. and And here is the fun part. They had four players in double-figure scoring. Pangos, Elias Harris, Robert Sacker, Gary Bell. Kevin Pangos led the team in scoring at 13.6 points as a freshman. I went back all the way into the 1970s, and I could not find a single other time in Gonzaga history where a freshman led the team in scoring. I believe that this is the only time in the last 40-plus years, close to 50 years of Gonzaga basketball, where a freshman led Gonzaga in scoring, and that was Kevin Pangos in the 2011-12 season. If I'm wrong on that, someone please correct me, but Kevin Pangos, as a freshman, leads Gonzaga with 13.6 points. Elias Harris is a junior, 13.1 points, 8.5 rebounds. Robert Sacre, 11.5 points, 6.5 rebounds in his senior season. He goes on to the NBA and gets drafted number 60 overall by the Los Angeles Lakers. Gary Bell Jr., the fourth Double-figure score for Gonzaga adds 10.5 points. Sam Dower, 8.5 points. Guy Landrietti, uh, who comes in as a junior college transfer, 5.5 points, ends up starting 15 games for them uh, once he became eligible. Marquise Carter finishes his senior season averaging 3.5 points, same as David Stockton. And then we haven't really talked about Mike Hart the last two episodes, but Mike Hart, his junior year, uh, averaged three rebounds and two points. But this is when Mike Hart started to become that glue guy. He started 18 games this season. Uh, We'd go on to talk about him uh, a little bit more tomorrow during his senior season. But Mike Hart, obviously one of the great glue guy, walk-on, really cool stories uh, in Gonzaga history as well. This is also Ryan Spangler's freshman year. Of course, he transfers out after his freshman season, but he averaged two and a half points and two and a half rebounds uh, as a freshman before transferring over to Oklahoma. This season, of course, is also notable because it is the Kelly Olynyk redshirt year. And of course, tomorrow on the show, we will talk about uh, Kelly Olynyk's junior season when he comes off of that redshirt. I want to talk about Gonzaga's style of play a little bit because this is when Gonzaga started to go. Uh, more and more into ball screen heavy stuff. They they laid the foundation for it in 2012, and then they really started to take off with it in 2013. They I think they realized that um, you know they've got two pretty talented guards here in Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell, and then they've got an elite um, passer in David Stockton, especially when it comes to post entry passes, and then they've got a solid Marquise Carter. So they've got some decent guards now. And they want to, 
you know, create more decision-making opportunities for them. And so they started going more and more ball screen heavy. They started a little bit of their continuity offense uh, in this 2012 season. It was very, very raw. It was the very beginning stages of it. And you can see the spacing wasn't quite there yet, but it was something that they had started in 2012, got better at in 2013, and then they kind of perfected it in that 2015 season and have since just gotten more and more proficient at it and added layers and layers to their ball screens. But it's that 2012 season with Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell's freshman year where they really started to lay the foundation for that ball screen offense. Okay, that is enough for today's look back. Coming up, we are talking about Martinez Arlauskas, who's now entering his junior year at Gonzaga. What are the chances he can make an impact on the court this season? We will break that down to finish today's show. Before we get there, today's episode is being sponsored by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. They are giving away a ton of different flavors right now. The newest one right now, pistachio. How about that? A pistachio flavor. Peanut butter brownie also available. Coconut almond, strawberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie. All of these flavors available for you to try, plus many more. If you're not sure what you want, feel free to get a mixed box with multiple flavors. All of them, soft, easy to chew, absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy, and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most Built Bars have 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at Built.com. You know, sometimes playing college basketball is not all about getting minutes on the court. For some players, of course, that's all they care about. But for others, like Martinez Arlauskas, I think being part of a special program outweighs everything else. And by all accounts... Orlowskis absolutely loves being at Gonzaga. He loves the program, he loves the school, he loves the people, and he loves being around his teammates and getting better. So when fans thought that he would potentially transfer this offseason, I didn't budge when I said that I don't think it's going to happen. But I will say, getting more playing time should always be everybody's goal. So of course that leads to this question. How does Martinez Arlowskis sneak past everybody else that came in this offseason and get rotation minutes? Martinez Arlowskis' path to playing time is to use his veteran presence and provide stability. If you go back to that 2019-20 team two years ago, Martinez Arlowskis was used as a rotation player multiple times during the season when there are injuries. You know, he wasn't a scorer by any means, but he never made mistakes. He played in 25 games. He only turned the ball over six times. And then this past season, he fell back in the depth chart because Dominic Harris and Julian Strother arrived and Anton Watson got healthy again. All three of those guys are back, obviously. Plus, Hunter Salas and Rasheer Bolton are arriving, and they're probably going to play minutes on the wing. So it leads you to believe that Arlauskas won't be seeing any time outside of garbage time minutes. However... This may shock you, but Martinez Arlauskas is the longest tenured Zag on this roster. It's Arlauskas, it's Watson, and it's Drew Timmy. All those guys have been in the program for three years now, more than any other scholarship player 
on this roster. So here's some questions. What if Hunter Salas and Rashear Bolton struggle to pick up Gonzaga's style of play? What if Hunter Salas and Dominic Harris are turnover prone and they can't be trusted by the coaching staff? What if Julian Strother doesn't take the next step forward? Is it possible that a veteran Martinez Arlauskas, who knows the system better than the newcomers, can be a stabilizing force on the court? He won't have to do much when he's out there. He doesn't need to be a scorer. That's never been his game. He just needs to defend. He needs to rebound. And he needs to keep the ball moving on offense without turning it over. Something he has shown to do in the past. I would say the chances of all this happening are very low. But you never know. And at the very least, it is great for this team to have a veteran player like Arlauskas on the roster. Somebody who the young players can potentially go to with questions. And knowing how much Arlauskas loves playing in this program, he is going to do anything he can to help those newcomers become better players for the greater good of the team. Okay, that is going to do it for today's show. We will be back tomorrow to look back on the 2013 Gonzaga Bulldogs, their first number one ranking in school history, the Kelly Olynyk breakout season, Elias Harris's senior year, really a season to remember. It's the first season into Gonzaga's true ascent into the elite echelon of college basketball programs. Of course, we'll also continue our Path to Playing Time series with some words on Eliza Hollingsworth, who is finally healthy after dealing with injuries for most of the last two seasons. Tune in tomorrow for another Gonzaga Five Star Friday. Before we go today, if you are a baseball fan, betting on the MLB does not have to be a guessing game anymore. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget, please also rate and subscribe to this podcast. If you will, leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at escargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Zags. If you want to email the show, feel free to do so. It's LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Thursday. We'll see you back here on Friday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.